Hi guys, my name is Jason L. Parker and welcome to the Engage Athletics Leadership Podcast. Yes, this is the show that's all about helping ADs and coaches find their way. Here we'll discuss clarity, goal setting, best practices, and everything in between. We want you to thrive internally with our families and in our positions as ADs and coaches. Enjoy the show. As you guys know, we start each and every show with a segment called What's Going On. In today's What's Going On, I want to let you know that the podcast is gaining steam. We've actually recorded three episodes this month, which is way over what I anticipated. And it's just been because of the feedback. I thank you guys so much. Those that are on our Facebook, I'm sorry, our LinkedIn group, Engaged Athletic Leaders um, those that are contacting us through the website, uh, www.engagedathleticsleadership.com. And those who have shared the podcast, we've had our most listens. Uh, the, the Aaron Daniels episode was our most listened to podcast. And we just want to keep the momentum going. Uh, today, we've got a great interview with Miss Pamela, Pamela Lee. And I think you guys will really enjoy it. And so I hope that you continue to share it. And that's what's going on. In today's extra point, I want to mention the NIAAA and the NADC conference. Listen, the NIAAA is the leader in leadership education for athletic directors. It boasts tons of relevant information, tools, and tips. They have a curriculum which allows you to earn your master's in athletic administration. And I'm happy to say that after five years, I was just awarded my CMAA last week. I can't say enough about how the NIAAA has prepared me for success, especially being someone who took a non-traditional route to athletics leadership. I want you guys to get involved. Every state has a chapter. And when you talk about the education they provide, it's just amazing. I also attend the National Athletic Directors Conference, which is hosted by the NIAAA every single year. I, I just come back energized. I get so much, um, not only education, but also networking. I, I, I learn so much and I bring it allows me to bring more value uh, to my role as an athletic administrator. Also, that the NIAAA conference is where I met Miss Pamela Lee, today's guest. And Miss Pamela Lee has a great story, an amazing story of overcoming a scandal that occurred towards the end of her career. And she's had such a storied career that her past really vouched for her and allowed her to move forward, albeit in a non-traditional way. And I think her story is great because it shows us as athletic directors and coaches that sometimes we we move on sometimes we overcome scandal not just by continuing in coaching not just by continuing in even athletics administration but ultimately our um background our history our the way we've gone about our job with integrity for years vouches for us and gives us alternative routes and so the the future is with you, whatever you want to do, whether it be in the profession or outside of the profession. And I think Miss Pamela Lee's story is a great example of that.
so excited, not only for myself, but for my audience, because to have one of the most phenomenal guests that we could ever hope to hear from. Uh, she is just a legend and a juggernaut of a, of a leader uh, and has been so throughout her career. Uh, she has led teams as a coach. Uh, won state championships, been in multiple states like Arkansas and Texas. She's been at the college level, JUCO level, Division I level, um, been at some of the largest school districts, multi-high school districts in Texas. Um, she's coached three All-Americans, one Olympia, Olympian. Uh, she's been a coach of the year. She's served as an AD for numerous state championship teams. I mean, I could go on and on and on. At the national level, um, she's been a she served on the NIAAA committee uh, for publications for the last few years. She's been a multi-time presenter at the National Athletic Directors Conference, where her and I uh, first met three years ago. And what I love about this person most is that she is a connector, and she is somebody who who pours her knowledge and her contacts and everything she has uh, to help the next generation of leaders. And I am so happy to introduce Miss Pamela Lee. Well, thanks, Jason. I, I really appreciate that introduction. I mean, I just have really enjoyed being your friend and the friendship that we've developed the last couple of years since we were presenters together. I've really learned a lot from you in the short time that I've known you. Oh, my goodness. I, I could say triple that goes for me, Pam. You've taught me so much. We were just talking a minute ago in our pre-interview, and I, I, I wrote down three or four things. I'm like, I never even thought about that. So that happens every time we talk. And for for everybody that's listening, you know, one of the things that, that I talked about in our um, in our show notes is that the NIAAA conference, and that's actually where we met, was at the NIAAA conference and when you talk about networking, when you talk about friendships, when you talk about learning at a new level, uh, that was great. And, and I can't say enough about it um, if I came away with your friendship because uh, it's just been phenomenal for me. Well, that's that that's a two way street, Jason. Definitely a two way street. <laughs> well, Pam, can you tell the folks a little bit about yourself? OK. And your career? Okay, I um, grew up in Oklahoma on a farm. I'm a farm girl. So I learned a really strong work ethic at a very young age, and it has served me well my whole career, that work ethic. I uh, played college basketball at an NAIA school and did uh, graduate work at Oklahoma State University. And from there, I went back to my hometown and I taught kindergarten and elementary PE, which is just crazy because I realized immediately I was not an elementary teacher. And then I went to Vianne, Oklahoma, where I was the head girls basketball and track coach and coached the seventh, eighth, ninth, and varsity teams. And then to Van Buren, Arkansas, where I implemented a program, seventh, eighth, ninth, and varsity teams. And from there, I went to Carl Albert Junior College and implemented a junior college program and was um, the Region 3 um, Junior College Director. And from there, I went to um, the University of New Mexico and was an assistant uh, women's basketball coach at the University of New Mexico, and I was the primary recruiter. And from there, we moved to Texas, and the opening was volleyball. 
So they asked me if I could coach volleyball, and I said, sure. And the first year, I have to tell you this, I didn't know how to sub, so I didn't sub the six girls that went in and played the entire game because I didn't know how to sub. But my team, you know, it's, it's a great example of, you know, kids can overcome lack of coaching because uh, I only had two returning players from the previous year, and we had the best record, and we entered the playoffs for the first time ever for our school. And um, so it was just amazing because, like I said, you know, they can overcome coaching because we did really well that year. <laughs> and I was at, at uh, uh, Burleson, Texas for 15 years. Um, I coached – I was a ninth-grade basketball coach there, and I was a assistant track coach. I had an All-American high jumper. And then I started the girls' soccer program, and I had, I think, about 10 girls who played collegiate soccer, and I had um, 18 that played collegiate volleyball. Three of those were All-Americans, and one was a three-time Olympian. And then I went to uh, Fort Worth ISD as an assistant athletic director, which I just love that new challenge. And um, we had um, lots of state championships. Uh, I was over girls and boys basketball, girls and boys soccer, girls and boys track, um, and volleyball. And from there, I went to New Caney ISD as the athletic director. And that was a new challenge and a, a fun challenge. Got to do some different kinds of things there. And then I went to Cleburne ISD for two years as the athletic director. And that's where we are today. <laughs> and then I became the curriculum specialist. Well, <laughs> well that is an awesome career. I mean, there, there is not many people who have been at those high of highs that you were able to experience. And even coming from such humble beginnings, it, it just tells a little bit about your work ethic and, and how you go about doing what you do. Uh, as you know, this month, our, our topic is striding despite school scandals. And as you mentioned, there was, uh, unfortunately, uh, or maybe even fortunately, depending on how you look at it, um, you did go through some scandals. And so would you mind just talking about um, the last scandal that you went through? Yes, I will. Um, it was, And the superintendent that hired me left, and we got a new superintendent. And from there, this superintendent had somebody he wanted for my job. And so um, some things were exaggerated and probably partially maybe fabricated against me and I was reassigned. Well, first of all, I w they tried to get me to leave and initially I did put in my resignation and then I decided to rescind it and the school board voted to let me stay but they couldn't reinstate me into my previous position. So I was reassigned to a PE and health curriculum specialist. And then my second year, I was a, they added social studies to my responsibilities. So I decided to bring a lawsuit against the school district. And I was at my, the end of, toward the end of my career. And I just felt like that I needed to do that. I have three daughters and I just felt like, you know, I needed to do that. The person that was hired to take my place was 20 years younger with three years of experience. And he was paid $20,000 more than I was paid. And at this point, how many years of experience? At this point, I had 20 years coaching experience and I had 16 years as an athletic administrator. 
at some of the largest districts. Right. I think Fort Worth ISD is in the maybe top 10 or 12 districts in the nation. Um, and right. in the state of Texas, I think they were number four or five in size. I think 88,000 students. Wow. So, so you're talking about over 30 years in athletic leaderships, working in schools with great integrity, with great results, phenomenal things you've accomplished or were accomplishing. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you get a new superintendent and they want to bring in somebody that they're more familiar with. Right. Someone they had a history with that they had worked with previously. And to do this, the, the intent was to discredit me. And I think that was the hardest thing was um, someone trying to discredit you. And I will say that I left that door open. You know, I tried to always conduct my career with integrity. But one thing I learned in hindsight that I would like to share is that when you get a new superintendent, if they're not the person that hired you, you need to understand that you need to be sure you're on your A game and that you do everything you're asked to do and that you do it all in a timely manner and that you make sure that you're walking the line very straight. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, before we talk about how that situation ended up, I want to take you through kind of our, our, the way we're approaching this subject this month. And some of the points we've talked about are um, the systems that coaches and athletic directors can use to help them stay out of scandal, uh, the self-preparation, uh, that'll help them withstand scandal and the values that can help them come through a scandal. And so one of the first questions I want to ask you, Pam, is what systems would you suggest for, for ADs and coaches out there that can help them avoid or, or make it through the type of scandal that you face? I think you, that you need to understand that you need to always conduct yourself with integrity so that Nobody would believe anything bad about you because in your whole career, you have had integrity. And I think you do that in a lot of ways in your interactions with other people, with officials, with parents, that you make sure that you're doing things the right way in the right time and that, that you are always conducting yourself in a way that you're above reproach. That's the number one thing I would recommend to people in their career is that you make sure that your integrity is always intact and everyone knows your value system and that you practice that value system. You know, it's just like if you say parking on the grass, you know, I value grass, but then you park on grass. Well, do you really value grass if you're parking on it? You're saying that you do, but your actions exactly. on the line. With exactly. So I think you have to be very careful. And I will say in one of my positions, um, when I got to the to my position, my new position, that um, people were parking on the grass and there was a parking lot right there. And I and I said, we're going to park. I parked in the parking lot. And apparently my predecessor did not park. He parked on the grass, which that's his prerogative. But I had our, my grounds crew put up. Uh, uh, signs that said do not park on the grass 
And I, I never parked on the grass uh, because I felt like I had to be the example. If I don't want anybody else to park on grass, then I can't oh, park yeah. on grass. Definitely. And, and integrity is a habit. You know, we talk about developing habits and making ourselves better each and every day, but almost daily, if not weekly, um, I'm sorry, weekly, if not daily, we're faced with decisions, everyday decisions that, that really test our integrity and it's a chance to build up that integrity or it's a chance. To exactly. The days of doing, as I say, not as I do that, you, that doesn't work. You have to do as you say. Yeah. And, and when you're a leader, you're leading by example and people are always watching your example. So you have to be careful that, you know, like I said, grass is a, is a, is a very small thing, but if you say that's your value, then you make sure that is your value. And in another position I had, we had stadium parking inside of the stadium. Well, those park, parking places were very coveted and they were a status symbol. I didn't exercise my right to park inside the stadium. I parked outside the stadium and walked to the stadium. Because then when I told people that they couldn't park in the stadium, I'm not parked in the stadium. So if you want to say, right. well, if they said to me, well, you park in the stadium, it's no big deal to you. I could say, no, I didn't. I parked across the street. Yeah, no, that's huge. Your actions have to align yes. with your words. So yeah. great answer. Uh, another way we tackled this subject is to look at the self-preparation. And the importance of that is because how we prepare ourselves daily, how we the mindset, the energy, uh, the, the spirituality with which we approach our, our day uh, helps us get through these type of scandals. And, and not only that, but it helps us to be our best. So the question I have for you is what self-preparation tool helped you to withstand these tumultuous Well, times? I think the most important self-preparation tool was prayer and a belief in something bigger than me. And I think to start my day every, mm, every day true. with prayer and that there is scripture that I, I hang on to and I adhere to. And some of the things is um, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And knowing I can do That's everything awesome. through him who gives me strength. And that I rejoice in the Lord always and in all things. You know, so I realize that there's something bigger than me out there. And I also realize that there's someone out there that is taking care of me and cares about me and that will never give me more than I can handle. Wow. That's a phenomenal answer. I mean, I am a huge proponent of priming and that's a deal where you wake up early or whenever you choose to do it, I choose to wake up early and just reconnect with, with God, reconnect with, you know, who I'm supposed to be. And, and that's so huge. We can get as athletic leaders, we can get tunnel vision and we can think it's all about our job and all about our performance, but we have to look outside of ourselves. And so that's great that you had a solace, um, a place you could go to really be able to do that. Yes. It's very important. I think it's also very important to have prayer warriors in your life and friends in your life that you can turn to. And sometimes they may be work colleagues, but I also think it's good to develop 
uh, friendships outside of the work situation, you know, that you have a social support group that is not just a, a um, group that you, that are your colleague, your work colleagues, but it's a whole separate group. It's, it's important to network and have that networking group. I think it's important to turn to your networking group for advice, consultation, um, sharing and exchanging ideas. I think it's important that you take care of yourself because again, you're an example, you know, you, you know, your health right. habits, people emulate that, you know, they see you with poor health habits. And, you know, if you want to talk to your staff about taking care of themselves, but again, you don't take care of yourself, you know, what kind of example is that? So I think you have to, t you know, have a social support system. You need to network. You need to uh, have good health habits. And I also think that if you tell people you value your family, that you need to demonstrate how you value your family. You know, do you, do you have time for them? Do you make time for them? Um, are you um, doing things with your family in your off time? Do you include your family in your job? Because there are areas of our job that we can include our family. I know I used to take my grandson to the football games with me and nothing he loved more than going to the football games with me. Great time for the two of us to be together. Yeah. Pam, that is such a rich answer. I mean, at EAL, you know, Engaged Athletics Leadership, we are all about finding what engages athletic leaders. And so, so often we think that's only winning championships and, you know, helping kids succeed, but we can engage through those relationships. We can engage through that, that personal development, that professional development, that is so much of who we are as people, but so often we neglect it because of our duties. And so that's so refreshing to hear you say that. The other thing I think, Jason, is you need to value all the people you work with. And I know. Um, well, don't don't go there okay. just yet. I want I want because that's what you, you're taking my thunder. But no, that that's my final question or my final uh, point of the of our uh, topic this month and it, it's our values and so number one how do we bring value on a daily basis I think that the more we can focus on the value we're bringing whether it's our work ethic whether it's being a connector whether it's being a motivator whether it's being a leader um, the value we bring we need to be more aware of as leaders because those are things that will absolutely vouch for you uh, when you're in the midst of a scandal. But also, like you just said, bringing value and, and valuing our relationships and whether and those are the good and the bad yes. relationships. But talk a little talk a little bit about how uh, either the value you brought and or uh, the value of relationships made a difference for you. During well, this time. I think, you know, obviously my family was a huge support system. In fact, my family was very encouraging to me and they were a huge support system. And, you know, my grown children would call me, I have four and they would call me regularly to check on me. And, and they were, and my husband, my husband, I can't say enough about my husband and what a great support system he was, but also my friends from church and my friends from my coaching days and then friends from former positions that I had held and then friends and, and colleagues and uh, coaches I had worked with and officials in my current uh, position, you know, they would call and check on me. But building relationships with people is about showing that you value them. 
And you do that in a lot of ways. I'll never forget um, one of the head football coaches I worked with. And, you know, I told him that I was there to serve him and to take care of him, but I didn't want to coach football. And um, so I'll never forget <laughs> the first game that the band was going to go over. And in Texas, if the band goes over the 28-minute time allotment for halftime, the officials can flag the home team in the third quarter with a penalty. So I'm down on the field. The head football coach, he looks over at me, and he looks at the clock, and I know what he's telling me, and I'm watching the clock. And the previous band, the visitor band, had gone over their 14-minute allotment, so that put our band behind the eight ball. So I went over to the band director, and I just said, you know, I hate to ask this, but I really need you to pull your band off, and we need to stay within our 28-minute time limit, or our football team could be flagged with a penalty at the beginning of the, the third quarter, and I really don't think that you want – that um, on your plate that our, and people won't realize it really wasn't you. It was the visitor band. We, they'll think it was you. So I don't want that to happen to you. So if you don't mind, if you'd pull the band off, I know your program's not finished and I apologize for that, but we need to stay within our 28 minutes. And I tell you what, that band director was awesome. He pulled his band off in the middle of their program, which, you know, I really appreciated. And I think that was the night that, the head football realized I really was there to serve him. And ultimately it was, the, it was a head football coach that helped you uh, survive. Yes, candle, it did. It he not? came out publicly and supported me, which was just unheard of, you know, a head football coach supporting a female athletic director, but he came out in public support of me. And I have to tell you, I, you know, I can't thank him enough for going out on the limb for me like he did. But I will, I will tell you also that you need to forget, you need to remember the people, the gatekeepers, the bus drivers, the stadium workers, the gate, you know, the concession workers, the yeah. table workers. I mean, you need to value everyone in your organization. And I'll tell you a little story. This last year, I used to run the regional, uh, the 5A regional boys and girls basketball tournament. And so the concession stand, I mean, sometimes we would have, you know, four or 5,000 people at those games. I mean, they were huge games. In fact, out of our region, mm -hmm. three years in a row when I was running the tournament, the regional, the state champion came from our region, region one. And that was back in the days when Marcus Smart was playing. And so um, anyway, I wow. used to go on the concession stand and I'm running the tournament. I'm an assistant athletic director, but if I saw people were backed up at the concession stand, I would go in there and work in the concession stand. And those concession ladies, I mean, I can still go back and they just, you know, were always whatever they can do for me. But I did for <laughs> them, but I never felt like I was too good to work in the concession stand. Or if right. the floor needed to be swept, right. I would sweep the floor. So I think as an athletic administrator, you can't become so full of yourself that you can't do some duties that might not be deemed part of your responsibility, but yet are very important to your position. Yeah, and I think it's huge not only for ADs, but also for coaches that those values of relationships, the big ones and the small ones, uh, they serve to to vouch for us. They they come back to either prove you right or prove you wrong because people have they take away a lot and they of what they think about you from these small interactions and you may not even notice it, but you're being rude to one of them or you're being really nice to one of them. 
goes a long way. And like you said, jumping back there, not being afraid to get your hands dirty, uh, went a long way with those women and, and men. And it, it spoke to your character. And I think that's so huge. And that's something we have to be more cognizant of on a daily basis. It's looking around and seeing what needs to be done and making sure that it gets done and that we have a, you know, obviously a system in place to take care of everything for events because obviously we're event managers all the time. But we need to also remember that we should never be above doing anything we would ask somebody else to do. All right. Well, that is huge. But Pam, I want to end uh, this segment by just talking about um, how your story ended up. How, how did you ended up surviving this scandal? Well, you know, I survived because I had, like I said, faith, a lot of faith. And I decided that I was going to be the best curriculum specialist I could be because I believe in blooming where you're planted and that we should always do our very best um, because it's not just about us. It's, it's about service and, and, and we, we serve a higher power and we serve other people. And we need to always keep that in mind that it, we're about serving. So when I got into the, Jason, I think we have to be lifelong learners in whatever we're doing. And it's important that we continually try to strive towards excellence and we try to learn all the time about what we're doing and becoming better at what we're doing. Right. Now, that's awesome. How did your um, how did your lawsuit end up? What was the final um, we, way that we ended, ended on a settlement? Um, so I was offered a settlement and in the settlement, uh, that retirement. And my goal was to work 40 years. And, you know, I reached my goal of working 40 years. I didn't end it in, in the position that I, you know, wanted to be in, but I did have a position and I felt good about what I did while I was in the position, but I did end my career after 40 years and we did end up with a settlement. Um, it wasn't what I asked for, but it was certainly more than I had. Right. And that's the thing that I think is so powerful in your story, because like I said, we, we as athletic directors and coaches often have tunnel vision and we think, you know, if, if I can't keep this job or if I can't get another job, uh, what am I going to do? And I think it's great that you went an alternative route. You got a settlement, which gave you some, some financial uh, freedom, if you will, some, some financial, um, support but then you also continue to thrive in, a, in another area and, and you chose education but it really can be anything and, and so whether you're a senior leader um, or you're someone who um, just is 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 thinking about um, alternative routes what can I do next what are some other things that are available um, I think that your story is great because you're past, your history, your experience ended up playing a huge role in your moving forward, not only in the settlement that you prevailed, because I think that's important for people to know you prevailed and you were found um, to be correct in your assumption that you were wrongfully terminated. 
but also in your ability to move forward. And even in the things that you're doing now that you're retired, uh, it's as a it's as a result of your great reputation and, and the things you did with integrity on a daily basis throughout over 30 years of your career. And so I just think that's great because I, it encourages everybody to keep going. Even when you run into a bad situation, continue to bring good and good will come of it. Yes, I firmly believe that I've been very fortunate since I've retired. Um, I have been, I've worked with ESPN with, um, TCU Volleyball, being a color analyst for TCU Volleyball. I've done color analyst for high school uh, boys and girls basketball. I have led um, Fort Worth Sister Cities on sports competition in Italy in 2015. And then just this past summer, I went back to Italy. Um, and I'm working with Fort Worth uh, Convention and Visitors Bureau that's called Fort Visit Fort Worth with their sports department on uh, volunteers and some of the events that they're bringing to Fort Worth. And you're still a boss in the NIAAA. Um, <laughs> I do And speaking and I mean, you opened so many doors for me uh, through that, through that organization. And also, you know, anybody I know in Texas, when they have a question, uh, most of those questions, they're going to go to you for a lot of those answers. And so, no, I think that's so awesome that, that your career, even though somebody or a situation that was not beneficial, uh, maybe somebody you could say came after you, but you, you were able to withstand because of, you know, that, that previous history. And so I just, I'm just so inspired by you. But I, we finish every episode with uh, our three to go. And our last three questions are always the same. And so what we want to know is, number one, how do you stay balanced? Well, I stay balanced, I think, through prayer. And I think through prioritizing what's important to me and prioritizing every day what I'm going to do. That's awesome. I think we talk a lot about goal setting and having those priorities and being able to visualize. And again, I I, I can't talk enough about priming, but that's an element of it where we look at those goals every single day. We prioritize. We know where we're going. We know what we're doing. And, you know, that's what the best athletes do. You know, that's what people that we look up to do. Why would we as athletic leaders, I'm sorry, not implement uh, that prioritization, that goal setting? So I think that's awesome. Uh, question number two, what do you do to improve yourself? Well, first of all, you know, I try to, I do my prayer. I eat healthy. I work out three to five times a week. Um, I read all the time and I read a variety of things. I'm a voracious reader. I read novels. I read a mystery and thrillers. Right now I'm reading Grit, uh, The Power of Passion and Perseverance. Books. Yes, yeah, so I try to read self-help groups. I'm involved in the NIAAA. I went to the Texas State Athletic Directors Convention uh, in the spring, uh, took all the classes they offer. I'll be teaching a class at the National Athletic Directors Convention, but I'll also be taking at least one, possibly two classes, and I'm not an athletic director anymore. But I'm a lifelong learner, and I want to continue to learn, and I want to keep my brain active, and I, I want to be a resource person for people. I mean, if I can help you, you know, it doesn't cost anything to help somebody. 
Right. So I want, but I want to have the tools to be able to help. So I want to stay current in athletic leadership and athletic administration. And so I'm working hard to try to stay current in that field. Coaches, athletic directors everywhere. I hope you just heard what she said. She's retired, but she's still active in the NIAAA, not only as a, as a teacher, but as a learner. And so if you're trying to get to your next level, if you're trying to be your best and you're not involved with any type of uh, on-point learning for your profession, you're fooling yourself. Like you said earlier, it's like saying don't park on the grass, but parking on the grass. You're parking on the grass. You have to find a way to improve yourself. Um, and I loved your point about reading. I, I love reading. I just have not been able to add it into my regimen. And I, I have a goal every week to read 50 pages and to read a book a month. Only way I've been able to keep up with that is through audiobook. But I love to read as well. I just hadn't found the time that found the time. So that's something I'm working on. But the last question, what part of your being or part of your hit of your past um, most aligns with with you being an athletic leader? I think that hard work and perseverance is is the thing that probably from my past, you know, I have always worked hard. I think uh, being, you know, growing up on a farm and then I learned a strong work ethic there. But I also think, you know, being a female in a male dominated profession, I've always had to work a lot harder kind of to gain the respect and prove that I'm capable. So I would say hard work and perseverance is probably what, sustains me right that and, and the reason we ask that question is because we want all athletics leaders to know that you're where you're at for a reason and you need to, like you said bloom where you're planted and we need to make the most of the situations the opportunities that we're given but we can only do that if we know why we're there and and sometimes it's we go forward by looking backwards and when you can look at what part of your history, what part of your experiences most align with where you are right now, you know, for me, it's the it's like you said, it's the hard work ethic. It's the excellence. I love to see that in, in my student athletes. And those are those are those students are my why. And so the more we can pull that out of ourselves, I think that's that's so important. But Pam, you did an excellent job. I think you brought so much value for our listeners today. And I can't thank you enough. Well, Jason, it's been my pleasure. And I can't thank you enough for giving me this opportunity. I mean, who would have thought, you know, when I grew up in Morrison, Oklahoma, that someday I'd be on a podcast with Jason Parker, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, who would have thought that? But it, unlikely the friendship that we have, it's a great friendship. Yeah, it is. It is. And I can't wait to see you in December. Yes. And you guys can us out in um, sunny San Antonio for the National Athletic Directors Conference uh, presented by the NIAAA. So we hope to see you guys out there. And Pam, I can't wait to see you. Uh, me neither. Thanks, Jason. Thank you very much. All right. Talk to you soon. Enjoy those grandbabies. I will. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye.